to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. Tonight we're going to continue on in our Bible study series, Answering Tough Questions. And we've dealt with a number of questions. If you've missed any of them or would like to go back and listen to them or re-listen to them, they are online on our website and on our podcast and, and that kind of thing. We dealt with a number of questions about the Bible and our confidence in its authority and its accuracy and all that kind of stuff. Um, last week we talked about why... Um, do bad things happen to good people? And talking about the issue of suffering. And the topic tonight is kind of a follow-up with that. Why is there even suffering in the world? You know, why does God allow evil? And I'll just let you know that as I dug deeply into this and put everything together, it was very easy to determine that we're not going to be able to finish this topic in one night. We should be able to do it in two. So we'll do the first part and get as far as we can tonight. And then, God willing, we'll finish it next Wednesday. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about this whole idea of why does God allow evil? And this is a big deal. It's one of the main questions. I told you I've got two or three questions I think are some of the main questions why people don't believe in God or don't put trust in God. And this is one of the main ones. If God is really a good, loving God and he's all powerful, then why is there evil in the world? I want to read to you two quotes by atheists. And it really kind of sets the stage for the issue that is here, at least for unbelievers. Here's one quote. It says, If God desires there to be evil in the world, then he's not good. If he does not desire there to be evil, yet evil exists, then he must not be omnipotent, which means all-powerful. Thus, if evil exists, God is either not loving or not all-powerful. Here's another one by a man by the name of Samuel Putnam, who is a leading uh, 19th century atheist, he said this, If the universe was created by an all-wise, omniscient, omnipotent deity, then that deity knew what he was about when he created the universe and is therefore responsible for all that is and for all that will be. And therefore, he is responsible for all the suffering in the universe. He made it. He is the author of it. And toward any such God, I have only feelings of utmost abhorrence. I hate him. I detest him. I scorn him. Any God who makes one particle of suffering is worthy of our condemnation, even as a man who willfully makes suffering is worthy of condemnation. For if God makes suffering, he willfully makes it. God, by the very definition, is not the creature of circumstances. He is omnipotent, and therefore when he makes suffering, he does that which he was not obliged to do. So that's a, a tricky situation. All right? The issue on your note sheet is this, if God is all good and all powerful, why is there evil in the world? Okay, And as you can see, because of this seeming paradox, this contradiction, it casts doubt on God's character. Because God's word does say that he is all good and all loving. It also makes it clear that he is all powerful. And so how do you reconcile those two things, that there's evil in the world? If he really is all loving and all good, why would he let evil be here if he could do something about it? Um, as I mentioned, this can keep people from having faith in God. 
And it can also cause problems for believers um, as they approach this. If they don't get their questions answered or whatever, it can cause some doubt. It can cause some um, loss of faith. But we're going to deal with this issue by answering several related questions. Okay, And as I said, we're only going to deal with some of them tonight. We'll see how far we can get in the time we have, and then we'll finish up um, next week. And um, before we finish up next week, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about what can we do about the problem of evil. Because it's not just in God's hands. You know, we can do something about it. So the first question, sub-question, related question to this is, why did God create evil in this world? So how would you answer that? Why did God create evil in this world? Okay, so when God created the world, he gave people capacity to love him. And to love him, to truly have that capacity, they have the ability to not love him. If they choose not to love him, that opens the door for evil, to summarize what you said. Mm-hmm. That's right, okay. How else would you answer that? Why did God create evil in the world? Lynn? Good. He did not create evil. And that is the answer. I mean, what um, um, Carlton, sorry, Carlton, I'm a little tired. Carlton's answer was very, very good. But you're right. When you look at the question as it's worded deliberately, God did not create evil. Okay? He didn't is the answer. He didn't. God created everything good. Is that what you were going to say, Veronica, or you got something to add to that? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a little bit of a review from last week when we talked about why do bad things happen to good people. But God didn't create evil in this world. He created everything good. In Genesis 1 to 31, six times it's mentioned that what God created was good. And in verse 31, when he got all this, it says, when God saw everything that he made, behold, it was very good. So, John, what were you going to say? Well, in the second chapter, the tree of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil. Right, so he God created the possibility of evil, but he didn't create evil. Now, some people would say, well, that's just semantics. If he created the possibility of it, then that means he's responsible for it. And that really is at the crux of the whole question. All right? But let me ask you this, John. Do you have any children? Yes. Were you involved in their creation? Yes. (laughs) I should hope so. Are you responsible for everything they do? No. Okay, <laughs> we'll get back to that. No. But that gives us a little bit of an illustration, okay, of how we can be involved in the creation of a possibility of evil, but we're not necessarily responsible for it. Of course, you'd probably say your kids have never done anything evil, so that doesn't really apply, right? Yeah, we'll come back to that. Okay, so God didn't create evil. He did create the possibility of it. And we're going to deal with that in another question here, okay? So um, one of you guys said where evil came from. Uh, next thing on your sheet, sin, suffering, and death, evil, are the result of the fall of man. Result of the fall of man. Adam and Eve, as John said, you know, God gave them the opportunity to choose to do what is right, good, and loving, or to rebel, and they chose to rebel. Okay, it had the form of God created this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we won't dig deeply into what does that mean and all that, but they, he said, don't eat of that tree, and they chose to. They chose to rebel, they chose to go their own way, they chose to basically say, I know better than you, God, so I'm going to do my own thing. Romans 5.12 says, sin came into the world, and through one man, 
um, I'm sorry, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin. So is all the evil in the world Adam and Eve's fault? Yes. So we don't have any responsibility. We still have choices too, right? I mean, they started the bowl rolling, but we've been batting around with a bat, making it go faster. <laughs> to use yeah, it's not just Adam and Eve. It all started with them. But every human being that's ever existed has had a part to play. Okay, so there was an influence from spiritual realm, from Satan. Okay, but as far as human beings are concerned, we can't lay all of the evil that there is in the world just at Adam and Eve's uh, feet. They started it, but a lot of people have had a part to play along the way. Yeah, Lynn. Yeah, we can't lay that because So we're not responsible for our sin? We're responsible for our Okay. Mm-hmm. No, no, they originated it. I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying we do our part to add to it. Okay, um, so anyway, um, originally they got it started and everything, but the continuing choices of men and women um, have added to that. And as we talked about last week, um, you know, we are all affected not only by our own choices, but by the choices of others. Some of the suffering that we deal with is because of our sin or our stupidity. We may do something that's not sin, but it's not very smart, and it causes us suffering. But we're also affected by the sin and stupidity of other people. Okay, And so this world's been corrupted by man's sin um, all through history and is therefore full of evil and suffering. Uh, There's a quote here by Dean Sherman. He says, Billions of people over thousands of years making billions of choices have advanced evil in the earth to its present state. Now, I want to read to you a story. You know, Jesus loved to tell parables. Jesus didn't tell this parable, but he's creative enough he could have. But uh, this is called the fish story. This kind of illustrates how all the problems that Adam and Eve started and we continued and we blame God for it. It says this. It says, a fish sees a man on the shore sitting on a chair with his legs crossed, smoking a cigar and holding a fishing pole. The fish decides that it's missing out on real life and determines to be like the man. It manages to jump out of the water, flips itself up on a chair, crosses its fins, and lights up a cigar. But before it can manage to grasp the fishing pole, it runs out of oxygen, and its life expiring falls from the chair and flops around in dirt and gravel, gills opening and closing rapidly in a vain attempt to pull oxygen from the air. An atheist walking by exclaims in derision, what kind of God would create a fish to suffer like that? Well, the obvious truth, of course, is that God never made the fish to suffer like that. He created fish to swim in exuberant freedom in rivers and lakes and oceans. This horrible suffering, which is contrary to God's will, came about because the fish rebelled against the purpose God had for it. Rebelling in his own way against God, man too is like a fish out of water. God made man to swim in the ocean of his love and to enjoy the full life and freedom of expression of those who do God's will. It would have been so beautiful, but man chose to rebel against God and to do his own thing. So I think that's a pretty good parable that kind of illustrates that, you know, we can't rest all, put all the blame on God when we bring all the suffering on ourselves. And it was never God's intent. A second question that kind of leads from that, 
If God created the world and he gave the opportunity for evil to exist, why did God give mankind the opportunity to choose evil? Why didn't God just make Adam and Eve incapable of sinning? Okay, it goes back to what you said in answer to the first question. It would not have been loving. Okay, let me ask you a question. Can you force someone to love you? No. No. If you could, would you? It's a little quieter. Maybe some of you are desperate. I don't know. <laughs> but, but let me, what did you say? Not if you love them. Right, not if you love them back. Okay. So if you could force someone to love you, would it be right? No. And so this relates to this idea of why God gave mankind the opportunity to choose evil. Something similar. Um, Can you force your children to do what you want? Or your grandchildren? No. Now this is a little bit tricky. If you could, would you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Would that make it right? No. Okay. So it all comes down to what Carlton said before. To have a true loving relationship, both people have to have the opportunity to give and or receive love or to choose not to. Okay. Um, On your note sheet, I have this freedom to choose to return love or not return it is the foundation for a quality relationship. Yes. Well, I'm sorry you don't understand that. You, when you have a choice, you have two options. Adam could choose to obey or disobey. Disobeying is part of the choice, and it's evil. It leads to evil. It leads to sin. Right? And a choice always involves at least two options. One of the options was evil. The other was obedience and love. Yeah. Carlton. I'm sorry, What? It was based on deception. And you know what? A lot of our choices today can be based on deception too. You know, but they had a very clear choice. You know, God made it very clear what they were supposed to do or not supposed to do. And yes, the enemy deceived them, but they still knew what the right thing to do was, and they did choose the wrong thing. I think that we got to remember that. And he uses it on us today too. I think I saw a hand back here a little while ago. Dorothy? Well, that, that to me that to me that's just semantics of saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe it'd be clear to say he gave them the opportunity to choose between good and evil, but that's still the opportunity to choose evil because he could choose to choose evil instead of good. Because he gave them the opportunity to choose between good and evil. Well, this is all semantics. The point is, is that God did not create evil. But he did make the world in such a way that mankind could choose it. So, yes, Candace. Yeah, we don't know exactly how long, but he did exist for a while before Eve. Yeah, the, the choice was there from the beginning. If I remember correctly, um, God told Adam to not eat from it before Eve was created. That doesn't mean that God didn't tell Eve. He may have. The Bible doesn't tell us one way or the other. But she would have known from Adam. So, Lynn, you're going to say something else, but I called on her first. So, go ahead. God gave Adam because Satan tempted them. Well, he tempted them to choose evil. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. 
But the choice is there. You got to choose one or the other. God gave him the opportunity to choose. And so both options were available. Okay. The second point under that is without free will, we would be less than human. Without free will, we would be less than human. Many people have often used the, the, the thing is if he had created Adam and Eve without the ability to choose, he basically would have been creating a robot. Okay? And to use, uh, I'll come to you in just a second, Connie. To use another thing, it'd be like he was creating slaves. We, we have strong feelings about slavery, right? People who are forced to do things against their will. And God didn't want that. He wanted people to love them because they chose to love him. Yeah, Connie? Okay, was that answering a question or? And that really leads into the next question, question number three. So why did God create this world knowing that evil would result? Because God knows all things. He knew ahead of time. That's what you just said. He, he knew ahead of time that evil would result um, of him creating the world and stuff. So why did he just say, oh, bad idea. I'm not going to do that. Why did he go ahead and create this world knowing that evil would result? Yeah, so even though he knew evil would result, he knew that other things would result also and made it worthwhile. What were you going to say, Lynn? It was his plan. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, even though God knew that evil would result, he knew the good that would result, and he had a plan to take care of the evil. Okay, Joan. That's right. Even though evil would come, he could turn that evil into good. Now, will that evil turn into good for everybody? So it will if the people cooperate, but if the people continue to rebel against that plan, it will not turn into good, but that's their choice, right? Yeah. You know, another good way to look at this, we used the illustration before of, you know, if you have children... Why did you bring this children into the why did you bring those children into the world? Unless you didn't plan to and something happened. But if you planned to bring children into this world, why did you decide to have children? Those of you that have children, why did you decide to have children? You're like, we're wondering ourselves, we're not real sure. Okay, some people, because they're just obeying God, I really don't want kids, but God said to multiply, so okay, I'll do it. But I don't think everybody did it just for that reason. Those of you that were glad to bring children into this world, at least at first, why? Okay, it's a, it's a manifestation and a result of love between a husband and a wife. Okay, but still, if you're planning to bring children, why would you bring children into this world? Why, why do you want to have kids? Mm-hmm. You already have a plan, things you want to prepare for the kids, so you want them to wait on you hand and foot and do all the chores. And, now, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just bringing some, some humor into it. Okay. So, so what would that plan include? Why? What kind of plan would you have that would make you want to bring children? To- mm-hmm. Okay. A family of your own? Relationship, right? Joan? Well, you expect them to give back. Yes, and, and God created us to have relationship with him, and the plan is that they, we would give back. So 
when you decide to have children and bring them into the world, is the potential there for them to do the wrong thing? Sure. All you got to do is look at everybody else's kids. You know it, right? I mean, we all think our kids are going to be different, or especially our grandkids, but the potential is there for them to do wrong and to do evil even. Is there potential for our children to experience evil in this world, to be harmed, to be hurt, to be... Sure. So the question is, why did we bring our children into this world knowing the potential for evil they could do or could be done for them? It's because we wanted that relationship. We want that love. And we want to obey God, like Lynn said. Okay? And then a question I asked John a little while ago, are we responsible for all the suffering that our children can cause? No. Are we responsible for all the suffering our children may experience? No, I said all. If we cause them to suffer, yeah, we're responsible. But I'm just saying, are we responsible for everything that our children may do that is wrong or evil, even evil? Are we responsible for anything that is wrong and evil or all that is wrong and evil that could be done to our children? No, but we still brought them into this world, didn't we, because of that relationship. And that's the same thing with God. God knew what was going to happen. Okay, unlike us, he had a plan in place and the ability to carry it out to take care of it. So on your note sheet, it has this. God must have believed the good that would result from creation was worth putting up with the evil. Yes. Just like we decide to bring children into the world because we want to love them. We want a relationship with them. We know when they come into this world, it's not the best of places. It's not a perfect place. They're going to cause problems. They may suffer in many ways. We pray against suffering for our kids and grandkids all the time. But knowing that's potential, why would we do it? It's because the good potential that is there from the relationship that we will have with our children and they will experience in life outweighs the potential for the evil. Got another parable. See, where did you get these parables from? From books that talk about all this stuff. Okay? And um, let me read this. It's a parable about the hypothetical demand for non-existence. You say, that sounds philosophical. I understand. You'll get it when I get this. So if you could imagine a million years ago, all the people who would one day become people exist in spirit form. We don't believe that, but I'm just saying. This is the parable, all right? A million years ago, billions of as-yet uncreated humans in some kind of hypothetical pre-creation spirit form, come before God saying, don't create me. We're all going to be in hell in the lake of fire. Therefore, we demand the right not to be created. It would be sadism of the worst sort if you bring us into existence knowing the torment we will suffer eternally. God's reply could have been something like this. You will inevitably be the fathers and the mothers, the aunts and the uncles, the children and the grandchildren and cousins of millions upon millions who will believe in Christ and therefore whose destiny is eternal bliss in the joy of heaven. If you do not come into existence, then neither can they. I will not allow your selfish desire for non-existence to eliminate the existence and eternal delight of billions of souls who will be redeemed by the blood of my Son and will therefore spend eternity in my presence where there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. They will continue to protest, but you are consigning us to the torment and lake of fire and for all eternity. Your enemies will therefore be able to say that you are not a good God of love, but a fiend who creates men for hell. God could reply, on the contrary, the lake of fire was never made for people. It was made for the devil and his angels. And if any of mankind ever enters that place of eternal torment, it will be contrary to my will. 
My son is going to die in payment for the penalty that my justice demands for any sin that any human being will ever commit. The provision for everyone to be in heaven where I want all to be will be fully made. If anyone goes to hell instead, it will be due to his willful refusal of the salvation I have provided. The protesters could insist, but we'll suffer eternally. Gods would say, if so, that will be your doing, not mine. I will not rob billions of redeemed souls of eternal joy just to cater to your obstinate rebellion. So, anyway, getting back up to where I was, I put these parables at the end of my notes. So God created this world knowing that evil would result because in his plan, all the good that would result was far outweighs the evil that uh, came about. Number four. So... Why hasn't God put an end to evil? Can God put an end to evil? Sure, he can do anything he wants. So why hasn't he? I mean, he did create it for these reasons, knowing its potential, but you know, good's going to come out of all that kind of stuff. So why has not God not put an end to evil? Either immediately after the fall or any time since. So why is there still evil in the world if you put an end to it? Okay, well, he, he put into motion the things that are going to bring an end to evil, but evil still exists. In other words, why doesn't he eliminate evil from the world now? It's not eliminating. He put a plan into place to take care of it, from even before he created the world. But yet there's still evil in the world. So why has he not gotten rid of it? Oh, we got a bunch of people. Uh, you started first. Go ahead. Okay, so it's a process, and it's a plan that takes place over time, and we're not there yet. That certainly is true. What were you going to say, Veronica? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's giving each of us the chance to choose between good and evil, and for those who choose to not obey him, just like Adam and Eve, they end up bringing about evil, right? Okay, but let me ask you a question. All these things are true. What would God have to do to remove all evil from the world today. Chris? Okay, we'd, I understand. The book of Revelation talks about when that's going to happen, so we'd have to be there. But I'm just saying, what would God have to do to totally eliminate evil today? Destroy it and start over again. Okay. He what? He would have to destroy... The enemy, okay, is that all? Even if he destroys the enemy, people still have the capability. Yeah, Lynn? Yeah, he's going to do it. He would have to stop everything, right? History, this part of history, would stop. But what John said is true, too. He'd have to destroy the capacity, whatever. Okay, and those are the two things I have on your note sheet there. The first one is this. To remove all evil from the world, God would have to wipe out the human race. Because where does evil come from? It comes from the human race. And our enemy, you know, you were talking about that, Sharon. Um, and he's going to take care of the enemy. That is, the enemy's already defeated. He's on a short leash. But anyway, he's going to do that. But to stop it now, he'd have to basically stop history as it is. He's got a plan to do that. He will. So why doesn't he do it yet? It's not his time, and he's still waiting. Okay? 
Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It goes back to what Veronica said. God loves us. He wants us to choose to follow him and to love him, to accept his gift of salvation. The previous point, all the millions, maybe billions of people throughout all history that would accept Christ... God's waited this long because he waited for them. He waited for me. I mean, it was 50-something years ago I gave my life to Christ. But if he had shut evil down 70 years ago, I wouldn't have even been born. I wouldn't have an eternal relationship with God. But in his plan, he wanted me to, so he waited for me. He waited for each and every one of you, and he is still waiting. And, you know, we each could probably make a list, short or long, of people who do not yet know Jesus or are not right with Jesus And we want to see them get right with Jesus. I mean, literally, we should want everybody to. But I'm just saying we all have loved ones, family members or friends. They're not right with Jesus. If Jesus, if God would shut it down now, they'd be lost forever. And we're like, you know, I don't know about you. I pray some, God, I'm looking forward to you coming back, but not quite yet. I got some people I want to see make it, and they're not ready yet. You know what I'm saying? And and so God is waiting. So, yes, sir. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only way God could remove all evil from the world now without doing that, the second point would be to eliminate free will. Going back to the original reason, why did he give us free will? Because he wants us to be able to choose, to love, to have relationship, okay? He could just say, okay, from now on out, you guys can't make your own choices. You have to do what's right. And again, that's not what a loving relationship truly is about. It's that freedom to choose to love, to return love, or to not return it. That's the foundation of a quality relationship. If you eliminated what? The dragon? I think things are such a mess that even if Satan was out of the picture, we'd still have the problem because we still have our sinful human nation, like you, nature. Like you said, we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Uh, you know, just like God got the ball rolling about a bunch of things, so did the enemy, unfortunately. But he makes things a lot worse. So uh, this quote, uh, evil is allowed to remain in the earth. Because free will is more valuable than the absence of evil. But we do have that promise. God, as we mentioned several times, like God had a plan from the beginning. He knew that evil would come. He created the world anyway. But he, got a, he, he put a plan into place that would take care of it. And one day he will eliminate all evil in this world. Um, Revelation 21, verses 3 to 4. Uh, what Chris was saying before, you know, for it to be the end, we got to be in the end, the last book there. But it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So he is going to put an end to it. Tim, you had your hand up. Go ahead. I wanted to finish my thought before I called on you. That's a very good point we haven't talked much about, and that is that God's purpose is that he wants everybody to have a relationship with him, but people can choose not to, okay? But we have a part to play, too, because once we've chosen to have that relationship, he wants to use us to help others come to have that relationship and grow in that relationship. Um, So that's very, very important, too. You know, going back to what Norris had said about it just shows the importance of Salvation and having a relationship with God, because without it, we will spend eternity. That's another one of tough question we'll deal with eventually: is how can a loving God send people to hell? 
okay? Um, we've dealt with it a little bit tonight, but we'll deal with that one along the way too. But um, salvation is so significant. It's the most important decision that we will ever make in this life. And God doesn't want anybody to die for their sins, even though we all deserve it. And he paid a price for it. He set the plan in place that it wouldn't have to happen. Okay? And, um, you know, Jesus paid the price, but he uses us to share the gospel and to encourage people to choose for themselves to follow him. But it is their choice. We can't make them choose. We can't make them choose. So, Ted, I think that's a good place to stop and still leave us with some good stuff to talk about next week. And it allows us to do something we hardly ever do, and that's finish a little early, much less on time. <laughs> Any final thoughts or comments about what we talked about tonight? But next week, we'll review that real quick and pick it back up with the next question is, why doesn't God at least stop some of the evil? So be thinking about that for next week. Okay, so God's not going to stop at all because he's still waiting on people, but why doesn't he at least stop some of it? So, yeah, Connie. All right, well, let's close in prayer. As I said, next week we'll do a quick review of what we talked about tonight, and then we'll jump in with that fifth question. Um, You can bring your note sheets back, but I will also have some extra copies for those who forget them or those who weren't here tonight. So, Father, thank you for the time that we've had in your word tonight and to look at your plan. And, God, we thank you, Lord, that you thought that a relationship with us was significant enough that you were willing to create this world knowing all the people that would reject you. But your desire, Lord God, you don't need us. You never did need, you don't need anything. You're fully complete and whole in yourself, but you desired relationship with other beings that could choose to do so. Thank you, Lord, that we heard the good news and that you stirred our hearts, because if you didn't stir our hearts, we probably wouldn't even begun the first step. But you stirred our hearts to respond. And so we can have a relationship with you, not only now, but for all eternity. And God, our hearts are burdened, not near as much as yours, I know, but our hearts are burdened for those that we know and we love that have not made that choice, and some have actually actively made the other choice, have chosen to reject you deliberately up to this point. And we pray, dear God, that you would change their hearts. We pray that you continue to draw them to yourself, that you would use us to share the gospel and to point them to you and to draw them to you, Lord God. And We pray, dear Lord God, that you would continue to wait until they come to know you. We thank you, though, Lord God, that you do have a plan that will come to an end, that we will not have to continue to live in a world full of evil and suffering and pain, that we will not have to continue to deal with evil, suffering, and pain, but we will have an eternity with you without all those things. Father, we rejoice in that tonight. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org. 